like to welcome everybody to uh, this week's Bearcat Chat. Um, for those who don't know me, I'm, uh, my name is John Alisi. I am the head men's basketball coach and the assistant athletic director for facilities. Uh, it's my pleasure tonight to uh, introduce our speaker, Coach Bob Walsh from, the, uh, from Providence College. Um, coach Walsh uh, is currently in his second stint, I believe, at Providence. Um, He's been a uh, head coach for 13 years, uh, eight successful years, or, or nine, I believe, at uh, Rhode Island College Division III school in Providence, uh, and was also the head coach at the University of Maine. Um, he's won over 60% of his games in 13 seasons as a head coach, with 11 league titles and eight trips to the NCAA tournament. Uh, in addition to his coaching, uh, Coach Walsh, um, is the founder of uh, uh, the Dynamic Leadership Group. Um, I will let him speak a little bit more about what they do and um, uh, is also runs a, a successful blog, coachbobwalsh.com, and uh, is soon to be author. Um, we'll be publishing his, uh, his book on leadership uh, this December, so keep an eye out for that. But um, without further ado, I'd like to uh, turn the... Uh, Zoom seminar over to Coach Bob Walsh. Coach, thanks for being here. Appreciate it, Coach. Thank you. And uh, thank you, everybody, for your time. Uh, I certainly understand it's valuable. Uh, and obviously, this is something that's passion uh, a passion of mine and, and conversations that I enjoy having. And, uh, you know, I think you can all see my screen. If for some reason you cannot, uh, just let me know. Um, but, and, and as coach said, you know, you're on mute, but I do want this to be interactive. So I will ask some questions and I, I want to start with just to get you thinking a little bit about, uh, your definition, your definition of leadership and, and what you think leadership is leadership is blank. How would you fill in that blank? And, and we'll go around and see if anybody, you know, wants to share their thoughts on that after you've had a minute to think about it. But a little bit about how this all came about. Uh, you know, I've been a, a basketball coach since I was in college. Uh, I actually grew up in New York. I went to high school. I went to Regis High School on the Upper East Side of Manhattan uh, and then to Hamilton College in Central New York and uh, started coaching there when I was a junior uh, because the two point guards ahead of me were better than me and, and quite honestly was, was no longer going to be able to play very much. And um, yeah, I've been lucky to be in coaching ever since. That was 1993, so it's been, you know, 28 years or so that I've been coaching. And uh, when I first became a head coach, it was in 2005. I had been an assistant at Providence College for seven years. I took over uh, a Division three school in Providence, Rhode Island, Rhode Island College, and that was my first head coaching position. And it's not unlike uh, a school like Baruch. Uh, I'm sure there are many differences, but um, you know, it's Rhode Island College is a Division three state school with without a ton of money, financial advantages, um, and a lot of challenges. And I learned when I first took over as a head coach, I thought so much of what I needed to know was basketball, right? X's and O's, how we're going to run offense, how we're going to defend, you know, what's practice going to look like. Uh, as soon as I became a head coach, I realized that probably 75% of what I talked to my team about was leadership based. It was about approach. It was about mentality. It was about uh, how we go about our business. And, and I'm not just talking, you know, when I'm standing in a team meeting before the season, I'm talking all the time, right? On the floor, in huddles, you know, it was always about focus and effort and, and competing and our, our core principles and, um, you know, as I started my career as a head coach and, and continued it, I realized that leadership is probably something I, I need to take a look at because we talk about leadership and we all kind of think it's really important. I think we use it as something that's important. I talked to a number of coaches who say, yeah, we didn't have a great year. I wasn't really happy with our leadership, but it's not necessarily something we define or we teach. Uh, and I've come to learn that I think it's essential uh, for high-performing teams and for high-performance, uh, great leadership. But I also think a lot of the way we go about it 
uh, is wrong. And it's sort of just relying on a traditional model that maybe we don't question. So uh, that's really the genesis of this. Um, you know, started a dynamic leadership academy in Providence in 2013 to basically, you know, help younger coaches getting into the business and, and kind of develop on the leadership side. And then, um, you know, I've started doing some, some, a lot of team training. I, I've worked with, um, you know, Coach Alisi's team in the spring and did a lot of stuff in the spring and the summer, especially with COVID over Zoom. So um, it's, it's, it's a passion of mine. And I think it's really important. And really where I'm coming from is, is I don't know that we teach team and leadership as much as we should. Uh, I think if we're all involved in athletics, we're very fortunate to get team, right? But at Providence College or at Baruch or at NYU or at Harvard, I don't know that they're teaching team in the classroom. And I think team is really important. I'm just a big believer that it's groups of people that get stuff done, whether it's the lessons you learn on an athletic team or teams of doctors studying a pandemic to try and, you know, help us get out of this mess that we're in. So uh, that's sort of where it all comes from. And, um, you know, it starts to me with a definition uh, of leadership because as a basketball coach, I see a lot of buzzwords that we use like toughness and compete and leadership uh, that we don't necessarily define. We just, you know, we yell at our guys, well, you need to be tougher. Uh, but I don't know if we go about defining it and teaching it the right way. And leadership is one of those. So I want to ask anybody, if you've had a minute to think about it, how would you fill in that blank that's in front of you? What is leadership to you? And understand, I'm a big believer, the more I do this, that leadership is highly contextual. It's highly situational. I don't think there is a right answer, right? I, I don't, there, there's not what, what, Leadership is for Bob Walsh when I'm the head coach at Rhode Island College or John Alisi, who's the basketball coach at Baruch, versus somebody else who's in a different situation um, could have completely different definitions. So who wants to step up and, and fill in that blank for me? Anybody uh, look at that, you know, have a definition of leadership or say to themselves, you know, this is what leadership means to me. Now, we don't want everybody to speak at once, right? Because it gets really, really awkward. So, you know, let's try not to talk over each other. Leadership uh, is blank. I can give an answer. Yeah, um, I thought leadership is um, setting the standard. Setting the standard. Yeah, yes. And what kind of standard? Um, just, you know, uh, setting the standard for intensity. Intensity. Right now, I got one. I got one, coach. Go ahead. Uh, I would for me, I kind of describe it as like you know, setting, yeah, like, like you know, Ryan said, setting a you know, a certain bar, uh, you know, and influencing, I guess, a group of people, whether that you know, be teammates, peers, whatever, uh, and kind of guide them to, uh, to reach a direct goal. I'd say, you know, whether that be a championship, whatever it is, kind of, yeah, lead them in that direction of that goal. Uh, and having influence over the, over that group of people. Influence is a great word for leadership. I heard too, influence and guidance, really good, right? I mean, I think certainly leadership is influence, not necessarily always positive influence. Would you agree with that? Yes, coach. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, sometimes, you know, you'll get people going the wrong way. Really good. Anybody else? Leadership is what? What is it to you? Person who's not scared to make all the tough decisions. Tough decisions. I love it. Making There's tough a few in the, in the chat as well, coach. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I have my, uh, I can, I can read them off if, if, if you'd like during some dead time. Well, I, I just, I just figured it out. I was, I was, um, setting the standard, helping others, challenging Greg, challenging in what way? Challenging in that you, um, whether you're ha having a good day or bad day, you got to be ready to lead your group, um, mm. set an example for them, um, et cetera. It's not always going to be a smooth road, so it could be challenging at times. Yeah, so challenging leadership, is it's hard, right? It's hard. And I, I was thinking about it the other way is, is are you challenging others, right? Um, you know, it, it's a great point. Leadership 
is not easy and leadership can be lonely, right? You know, it, it's challenging because, man, sometimes you have to put yourself out on a limb. So, um, you, you know, I think just based on the three or four different comments that we got there, anybody else have anything? I don't, I don't want to cut anybody off if anybody else was going to chime in there. Hey, Bob, this is the athletic director, Heather McCullough. Thank you so much for being on with us tonight, um, for working it out with, with John. Um, you, I would Heather. say for me, um, leadership is leading from the front um, and leading with compassion because every mm -hmm. situation that you encounter, whether it's with a student athlete, a, a colleague, um, uh, your, your, your team, um, every situation that they encounter is different and how they lead is different. So being able to be adaptable and compassionate to um, each person's situation to get the best out of them, I think is, is kind of my leadership style. Um, and so yeah. that's what I would say. Thank you, Heather. That's terrific. Some great words there, right? Compassion, uh, adaptable, being out front. And, and it's interesting. I think it was probably one of the athletes mentioned intensity and, and it's a great point to how contextual it is right when heather is leading the department that's a little bit different than when you're leading your soccer team on the field or your basketball team on the court right intensity uh, can be a big part of leadership but i don't know if every time heather goes into a meeting with the coaches that intensity right compassion is a little bit different than intensity and and that's um that kind of illustrates the point to me is that leadership takes on all sorts of different definitions and uh, it's extremely situational, right? You have to be aware and you have to be able to adapt as, as Heather said, I love that word when it comes to leadership. Um, for me, it, the way I, I encourage you to think about leadership is think of it as a skill and not a rank. I, I think one of the mistakes we make with leadership and, and I think it's sort of the traditional model is that leadership is a position, right? It, it's the captain. It is the senior. It is the best player, right? Um, I think leadership is a skill that you can teach. You know, I think if you're, you want to be an athletic director, you have to understand how to lead in that context. If you want to be uh, a valuable member of the swim team or the soccer team, you have to be able to lead in that con context. If you're uh, in charge of facilities and you have to lead a staff, um, you have to be able to lead in that context. So um, the definition that I've chosen for our teams uh, for leadership is to make the people around you better, right? That's the definition that we've used with my teams. Uh, it fits me, right? It, it's, it's very accessible, which I think is important. Um, you know, it, it's accessible to everybody, right? Everybody can make other people better. You can do it in your own way and to your own personality, which I also think is really important. Um, but I would encourage you as an athlete or a coach, uh, a captain, whether you're going to be a freshman on a team or you're going to be a senior on a team, um, to figure out what leadership needs for you and how you can contribute. Our definition is just making people better. And that can happen a lot of ways. And, and what's important to me with our teams is it's required of everybody. It's not something that the captains do or the seniors do. Because again, I think it's a skill you can teach. I think it's a skill you can teach just like one touch passing in soccer. I think it's a skill you can teach just like, you know, ball handling in basketball. Um, it's not something that's gained through status. Uh, and, and that's where I think as coaches, and I know I'm still learning how to teach it, um, you know, we don't look at it that way. We, we think if we think leadership is really important on our teams and it has value that's going to lead to our desired result, then we should define it and figure out how to teach it. So uh, I, I think it's a core value. Uh, it should be. And, and, and for me, core values are behaviors. And, and that's really important. It's not a, a sign on the wall. It's not a slogan on the back of a T-shirt. Uh, I think you have to define it as behavior. So for me, if my definition is make the people around you better, well, what do those behaviors look like that are associated with it? Because I think a lot of, a lot of us get uh, into that 
trap of, well, we need more leadership. Well, what does that mean, right? Does that mean yelling at the guys when they're not playing well? Does that mean, you know, uh, making sure everybody knows the plays when we're running them, you know, in practice? Does that mean everybody shows up 15 minutes early to get in the pool to stretch or, or warm up? Um, so define it as behavior, you know, examples like getting to practice 15 minutes early and grabbing one of the freshmen, right? You know, I'm a junior on the Baruch basketball team. Hey guys, practice is at four, but we're usually on the floor at 345 doing skill work, right? That's making your teammates better. Um, you know, somebody, you know, you send somebody in on a, on a breakaway with a great pass and they miss the net, you know, and they feel awful, right? Hey, get it back. All right. You know, mark up, let's go, let's get back on defense, you know, keep your head up. That's making them better. Um, you know, getting them to class on time, you know, knocking on their door, get, you know, Hey, you know, getting them up, you know, um, all of that stuff, you know, you're at a party and things are, things are going down, you know, it's not looking good. There might be a fight breaking out. Hey, let's get out of here. Right. Just put behaviors, associate behaviors with your, um, with your values and with your definition of leadership. Uh, and I think that's really important. So it becomes something that you and your team are willing to fight for. And, and I've always felt like I can tell you probably who your team leaders are, right? In general, team leaders are three people. They're older players, they're better players, and they're louder players. Uh, and again, if you think of it as a skill and not a rank, it's it's not something that has anything to do with how old you are. Certainly experience might help your leadership approach without question, but it's something you develop. It's not something you achieve. You don't earn status as a leader. Um, you know, I would hope if you asked one of my teams at Rhode Island College or Maine, if you walked in and said, who are the leaders here? The answer would be everyone, right? That's what they would say. Everyone leads on this team. Uh, our captains on our teams had technical responsibilities, and that was it. I understand being a captain is important. Uh, I don't diminish that. Uh, but if by definition I'm asking my captains to lead or I'm asking, you know, two or three people to lead other people, uh, I'm asking the other people not to lead as much. And I don't want to do that. Uh, you know, I have a couple of examples. When I was at Rhode Island College, I had a point guard named Anton Gray who started for me for four years and, and played in four straight NCAA tournaments. And he's now an assistant coach at Brown. He also worked for me at Maine. And when he was a freshman, you know, halfway through the year, we were struggling, not playing great. And, and you know, I was talking to him. And he's like, yeah, coach, I just don't feel comfortable speaking up because I don't feel like this is my team. Now, Anton is the best leader I have ever coached. And he's also the smartest player I've ever coached. And I thought to myself, man, like, what am I doing wrong if the environment I'm creating where I have a kid who's got the ball in his hands, who's the best leader I've ever coached, and he doesn't feel comfortable leading? Like, there's something wrong with that model. Um, he played with a, a center, Mike Akinrola, who was a senior, who was a first-team all-league two years in a row, the best center in the league, quiet kid, played his ass off, competed every day, but didn't really want any part of being a leader in the traditional sense, right? He wasn't gonna talk to the guys and get them going before practice. He wasn't gonna yell in a huddle. It just wasn't in his personality. And I thought, so here I am, I'm trying to force feed leadership on a senior because he's older and he's a good player when he's not comfortable with it. And I've got an environment where my freshman who's dying to lead and is great at it, isn't doing it. Um, I think as, Athletes, you have to ask yourself, you know, who are you willing to listen to? And on your team, you know, who can lead you? Uh, you know, if a freshman came in and was starting to, you know, give you some direction and speak up, are you willing to, uh, are you willing to hear that? You know, and that's an important dynamic on teams when it comes uh, to leadership. So um, Ultimately, I'm not a believer in the traditional leadership model, which is top down, you know, head coach, assistant coaches, three captains, they tell everybody what to do. Uh, I think the value of leadership is to empower your team from within, empower the middle, whether it's a law firm or an athletic department or, uh, you know, a lacrosse team. Um, 
everybody on that team is a primary stakeholder. And, and in fact, you know, if I'm the head coach, you know, certainly I have an impact on what we're doing, but the decisions are being made when I can't really affect them, right? They're out on the floor and, and the ball goes up and I don't have the ability to, to stop and make them do it again. So um, what you want is, you know, the power to make those decisions with the primary stakeholders on your team. Uh, and the, those team members are accountable to each other for your leadership development. Um, and, and ultimately, I think that leads to ownership, which is really the highest level uh, of investment that you can get to. So um, let me stop right there and, and ask for any thoughts or questions. And, and um, you know, I have been asked, I, I, I will share this PowerPoint. So, you know, if there's something that interests you and, you, you know, you, you don't have to scurry to write something down. I mean, I'll share this information uh, with coach and he can spread it out to everybody who wants it. So you don't have to worry about that. But anybody have any thoughts or questions in, uh, about uh, anything that resonates with you, what I've said, anything you want to challenge me on? What's, uh, what thoughts do you have? Um, I agree with kind of like empowering everybody, making everybody uh, feel accountable. And who is this own. talking? Uh, this is Ryan Panagakos. Ryan, awesome. Okay, go ahead. So, so you yeah. feel you... Uh, yeah, what resonated with me was like, you know, if you're on a team, uh, you just there can't be really one true leader, two true leaders. I feel like everybody has to be a leader in their own sense. Uh, everybody has to be accountable for, you know, how they practice, how they play, you know, what they eat. They have to be accountable for their own, um, you know, just life in general. And that transitions into sports, obviously. Now, Ryan, on the teams that you've been on, do, do you think all your teammates or most of your teammates are willing to accept that type of model where, you know, maybe somebody who, you know, is new to the program, um, you know, is trying to lead in certain ways? Is that acceptable or have the teams been sort of top down? Hey, we're the juniors, we're the seniors. We tell everybody what to do. It was, yeah, I mean, I might. At my high school, at least, um, it was pretty uncommon for a freshman or a sophomore to come in and uh, try to start leading. It was you didn't really see that too much. Yeah. What what high school did you go to? Uh, Holy Cross and Queens. Nice. Um, I actually Keith Hamilton, uh, and so his dad Kevin Hamilton played at Iona, but Keith Hamilton played for me. Was a Holy Cross guy. I was coaching at Holy Cross for a while too. Um, so, and that's the interesting thing, right? We're not used to that. And I don't mean the freshmen and the sophomores have to come in, you know, and, and yell and scream and tell people what to do. And that kind of goes back to the definition, right? Is there a way to define it so that everybody can do it? You know, a freshman or a sophomore, you know, might just show up 15 minutes early every day to work on their skills and get better. So, um, I appreciate that, Ryan. Anybody else? And any other thoughts on that? Because the challenge with that, right, empowering everybody to do it is everybody on the team has to be willing to accept it, right? And it, and it's somewhat uncommon because there's this status you feel like, okay, I'm a junior, I'm a senior, I've been around, I start, um, you know, I'm the one that gets to speak up. And, and I think that just twists the leadership model in the wrong direction. So. Any other thoughts about what Ryan said or anything you've heard so far or questions? Hi, Bob. It's Heather again. Um, yes. And for the group, you know, I just think it also lends itself a little bit to self-awareness mm. um, and kind of like where, where they're coming from and where they can lead others to. And so if, if you're not really comfortable with yourself and kind of taking direction, um, but understanding that you yourself can't lead necessarily. Sometimes it's, it's coming from a place of humility where you understand that, you know, hey, I can learn something from, you know, the guy, the girl next to me. Um, you know, I was a coach for several years, obviously, too. And it's, you know, how do I make the person next to me better than me? You know, how, how does that happen? And, and, and you turn it into almost a competitive model, but a healthy competitive model. Um, and I think that goes for leadership as well, um, because in the same token, you're kind of building the team at the same time that you're kind of honing your own leadership 
and and letting others around you kind of gravitate towards you. And it doesn't always mean coming in yelling and screaming. It's to your point about modeling by example. Like, hey, I just want to show up 15 minutes ahead of time. I want to be prepared. I want to be on the court, on the field, at you know, in the pool on time because that's a value that I have. And getting people to kind of understand those same values you know, while it's a thread within a team, sometimes there are outliers who don't kind of match up with those same values. Um, and so that's where I think the balance tips left or right. Um, mm. And that's where the coach comes in in terms of recruitment, because then you're, you know, you're kind of recruiting student athletes who hold the same values as the department, as that team, as that college. Um, so that you kind of get that le level of leadership and fellowship that you need. Yeah, that's terrific. And, and there, there's an acceptance level that's really important uh, that creates a comfort level, right? If you're one of the older players on your team um, and you're willing to listen, you're willing to consider a different approach, you're curious about the mentality of your teammates, right? Maybe, you know, uh, you know, your coach is, is somebody who's really intense and gets after you and you better be ready all the time. And, and a couple of players on your team don't react well to, to being yelled at, you know, and, and making them comfortable. So, um, yeah, it, it's really re the acceptance part of it is really important because I don't know that many of us has been been brought up on teams like it, it, most of the teams. There's a status level to being older right? And being better. Uh, so it's not, it's, you know, and Heather, you made a great point, right? It's not just coming in and speaking up. You know, one of the things we did with our teams at Maine, where leadership was an issue when I first got there, was everybody took on a leadership responsibility, you know, and this is something the athletes can do themselves, right? If you're on the soccer team or the swim team or the basketball team, you know, give everybody one responsibility within your program, you know, and, and just let, let everybody choose it. Somebody's in charge of the training room, right? So that athlete knows what time the training room opens, what time it closes. If we have to schedule when people are getting taped, you're reminding guys, hey, you're getting taped at 315. You're getting, you know, one, one athlete's in charge of the basketballs, right? One athlete's in charge of the gym. One athlete's in charge of study hall. There, there's a ton of responsibilities around your program that everybody can take on where it's just, okay, study hall is a certain time, you know, you're, you're in charge of reminding it. And that way, if somebody misses study hall, obviously that person's going to be held accountable, but I'm also going to go to whoever's uh, in charge of that leadership responsibility and say, hey, what happened, right? And create ways where people get comfortable taking responsibility and, and taking ownership. Because what I'm always trying to get to, and this is something I learned at Rhode Island College from my players, and this is actually a big part of the book that I wrote about the culture we built is there's a big difference between compliant teams and teams that take ownership. And, and if you have, if you have, you know, two or three people telling everybody what to do, they are going to get really good at doing what they're told. And I don't think that's a path towards elite achievement, right? I think that you can be good. If you have good players on whatever team you're on, and everybody does what they're told and they're a good coach, you can be good. I think where teams really take off is when they take ownership. And, and quite honestly, I learned that from my players at Rhode Island College and kind of happened to, upon it. Um, we all think leadership is having control. Uh, I think leadership is giving control, right? So if you can get everybody on your team to take ownership and be fully invested uh, I think you have a chance to not only be elite, but to sustain that success. Uh, and it's a shared responsibility to live up to your standards. You know, I think Ryan talked about setting the standard in his definition of leadership. So it's not always me as the head coach that has to say, okay, that's not good enough. Get on the line, right? It, it should get to the point where you're saying that to each other. You know, if, if somebody shows up one minute before practice and they're just tying their sneakers and running in and you know because they were hanging out in the train room like hey we don't do that here like we're in practice early right and those standards and and that jersey that you wear that represent those standards that's worth fighting for 
right? For, for your, for your team. So uh, a big part of the leadership model is creating and then taking ownership. And I think that is harder to do if a couple of people are telling everybody else what to do, right? You, you know, you, you become, if, if I told you to jump through a hoop, you jump through a hoop. Great. But, um, you know, if I tell you, you know, here's the level we need to compete at to beat, you know, the College of Staten Island, like, you know what that means and you go out and take ownership of it, there's a big difference. And, and now I'm a firm believer that it creates a meritocracy within teams. Um, and, and merit to me is the only currency that great teams share. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, how heavily recruited you were or how many points you scored last year uh, or, you know, whether you start or you come off the bench, um, you know, meritocracies, you're known by your deeds. What have you done today? What have you done to help this team today? That's the currency to me that elite teams share. And if you're willing to accept a, a different approach to leadership, I think you create a higher level of ownership uh, that really allows your, your team to explode. So um, communication and connection. Uh, I, I mentioned this, this is a quote from Jack Clark, who's the rugby coach at Cal, who's probably, not probably, he's the best I've ever heard as far as speaking on leadership and team building. And, you know, the best leaders have the mental capacity to be curious about their teammates, which I think is a really interesting way to look at it, right? How curious are you about the people around you? Um, the ability to listen is, is probably the most important and underused skill in leadership. Uh, and, and there's a, a really interesting study done at MIT on high-performing teams where they put, um, they put small groups together and gave them difficult tasks and asked them just to complete the task. And the high-performing teams, they, they didn't know each other. Um, they were three things. They were empathetic towards one another. Uh, so it was kind of a, you know, okay, understanding of what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes. They gave everybody equal time. So it wasn't, um, you know, two people saying, hey, this is how we're going to do this, right? Everybody had equal time. And uh, interestingly enough, that the majority of the high-performing teams had more women on them than men. Um, and there was a social connectedness to that that was really important in, in, in what they called social capital, right? The, the willingness to get to know, uh, the willingness to help and to connect is called, you know, they called it social capital that was really important on these teams. And, and that's really how trust was built, right? W was with social capital and um, willingness to get to know your teammates, uh, willingness to help your teammates is a connection that can be really, really strong. And it creates a trust that I think is essential for high-performing teams. Uh, and think about the way you communicate, because I think the way you communicate is a precursor to whether or not you actually connect. And I've always, I've learned this about teams and I've had my teams recently do this, um, come up with a plan for how we're going to communicate, right? As coaches, we say it all the time. I mean, I was in practice today. We got to communicate more. We got to talk more. We're not talking enough. Well, how are we going to go about it, right? Be intentional about it. How do you deliver and receive the message? If I'm a senior and I jog back on defense and a freshman gets on me for it, am I going to say, man, why is a freshman, you know, don't yell at me, you're a freshman. Like, I, leave me alone. Or am I willing to say, yeah, you know what? I wasn't, I wasn't playing hard enough. He's right. Um, in the sports world, what we do is intense. Uh, and, and context really matters, right? And that's, you know, again, a little different than maybe the way Heather has to carry herself in a staff meeting. Um, there's an understanding that, yeah, with five minutes to go in the, the championship game against York or CSI, like we don't have time to have a meeting and take a vote, right? We have to communicate directly. Like I might have to say, hey, get back on defense. Let's go. We need you, you know, and, and we have to be willing to, to, to not only listen, but to, to communicate that way. Um, ask yourself if communication on your team causes more problems than it resolves. Because I think on 
so many teams, the way you communicate actually causes more problems than it resolves because it's not discussed enough. Um, you know, conflict is going to be there if, if candor is safe, right? If you're allowed to speak up. Um, so getting to a point where you can communicate directly and honestly about it, uh, you know, about key issues is really important. Um, I think I think one thing, Bob. Just I'm sorry to interject, but no, um, not at all. Please. I think one of the one of the things in that just kind of if maybe you can just pop back to that other slide. I think one of the things that you really point out in terms of communication and conflict. Um, you know, if you ask anybody, most people don't really like to sit in conflict, and mm. um, you know, part of that comes from vulnerability, you know, like where, where do you feel the safe candor? Where do you feel like you can be vulnerable with your decisions or your communication or your mode of communication? And then you add the, the introversion and the extroversion and what that chemistry is, you know, that chemistry they talk about teams have, um, I think kind of goes back to, you know, doing the work of self-awareness. I think we get these young individuals, you know, 17, 18, 19 years old, and they haven't kind of been taught, so to speak, kind of how to look inward and how to manage emotions. We know how to, they, 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 they're taught how to manipulate their physical attributes to, to be the best of the best, but they don't necessarily know how to manage their mental attributes or their self-awareness or their self-consciousness to really excel in, in the world of the psychological part of their sport. That's what I feel. That, that's, that's a terrific point. And actually, you know, vulnerability and safety are, are and they're, they're, they're part of this next slide, actually. It's interesting that you brought that up because that's a huge part to me of leadership um, is creating a safe place, right? Where, where you can, um, you know, compete without compromise, which is a quote from Jim Steen, who was the coach at, at, at Kenyan of Kenyan swimming. But um, to create a safe place as a leader, you have to be willing to be vulnerable, to show vulnerability to your teammates, to your team as a coach. You know, I have to be willing to say, you know what, guys, I screwed up. You know, I tried. This is what we're going to do. It didn't work. I, I should have done something different. You know, I have to get better um, when you're struggling, right? There's a a terrific book um, by Daniel Coyle, who wrote The Talent Code, but he also wrote The, the Culture Code. And Heather, I don't know if you've read it, but um, it is really, so he basically studied like six different cultures. You know, the San Antonio Spurs are one of them, you know, like elite cultures. And um, a big part of what he talks about at the beginning is about vulnerability and safety, right? And creating a place where um, we can communicate the way we need to communicate where, uh, you know, it's okay for me to lay it on the line and, because I might fail, right? You know, it's, it's, uh, it creates a level of competitive excellence where we're not just competing and saying we're playing hard, but we can handle the emotions of it, right? So, um, man, if you're a teammate and you're willing to show some vulnerability, especially to your younger teammates, right? Where they realize like, oh, you know, it's okay to make a mistake here. It's okay to be myself here. Uh, it's okay to show weakness here, right? That's really, really valuable um, to the comfort level, uh, to the ability to compete. And I had never, I mean, I would never have connected the two when I was younger as a coach, right? Uh, competing uh, and chemistry and, and some of that stuff that you know, you referred to was all about team and how hard we go and the way we work and the intensity and rah, rah, rah. Um, such a big part of it uh, is being vulnerable. And, and I think, you know, separating yourself from the results as much as possible, which is okay, but also hard to do. Um, you know, embracing uh, adversity, you know, and, and you know, conflict. Um, confrontation to me is, is an essential part of leadership, you know, and I don't mean confrontation like, okay, we're going to start fighting or we're going to, you know, push and shove each other, you know, in the paint, you know, after a hard foul. I'm just talking about willing, being willing to, to confront bad behavior, 
right? The wrong behavior and um, creating the environment where you can do that has a big, big, big impact uh, on your ability to have elite success. And, um, you know, we call it full measure, which is the, to, to me, the, the gift you get out of team sports, right? It's that time at the end of the game where you can put your arm around your teammate and know I gave you everything I had win or lose. I gave you everything I had. And um, they're saying the same for you. So um, now that's, that's really good stuff, Heather. I appreciate it. Uh, any of the, any of the athletes that are on any thoughts, anybody else um, questions or thoughts about some of that, how that looks. And is that something you're comfortable with? You've been a part of, does it resonate with you? All right. Are any of the athletes still with us? Are they still, are you still awake? Are you here? Nice. All right. Um, so adversity, and, and, and this is something that um, kind of, kind of a, a mentality we were able to take. And, and I look, division three, there's, there's something really, really special about division three because of how pure it is. Uh, it's also, can be very challenging, you know, certainly financially, you know, um, you know, you don't have a lot of bells and whistles. Um, I found that the challenges that we had at Rhode Island College, and essentially, I, I went from the Big East to the Little East, you know, pun intended, but that was the name of the league, Rhode Island Colleges in the Little East. And uh, I knew we weren't, you know, we weren't getting you know, more money in the budget. We weren't going to travel and stay overnight. Like it was, you know, we weren't going to ask for anything. Um, but it became part of kind of the core of who we were because we didn't have a choice, right? And I know Baruch has a lot of challenges. I mean, I know that league. I know, you know, most of the athletes have long commutes and, you know, it's, um, you know, there are just honestly a lot of challenges uh, that can become such a big part of your culture and will have such a huge impact on your ability to succeed when you leave college, when you go to take a job, when you um, face challenges moving forward. Um, you know, the obstacles that you, that, that are in front of you create resilience. They create mental toughness. They create pride. They create a togetherness, a core ethos of your team that will line you up for success. And, and the phrase that we used was win anyway, right? It was, you know, foul trouble, win anyway, right? The gym is cold, the heat's not working, win anyway. They didn't sweep the floor today, win anyway. You know, it's, it's two, two of our, you know, our starting center midfielder is injured, win anyway, right? It just became a mentality that, look, this is who we are. Um, we are going to accept it and we are going to embrace it. Uh, and it made us tougher. It made us better. Like it got to the point where if I was kind of upset about something or complaining about something or, you know, um, you know, the bus was late or whatever, our guys would be like, don't worry, coach, we're good. Like we got this, we're fine. Um, you know, and, and the mentality we took on was grateful for everything and entitled to nothing. And, and that's, you know, I, I think entitlement is uh, poison to high-performing teams, and it's easily accessible. You know, it doesn't take long to feel entitled. Like I had, you know, and, and this was after my second year at Rhode Island College, we went to, uh, we went to the Elite Eight, and the following year, I kind of noticed, like, okay, our guys kind of feel like, well, we just show up and throw the jerseys out there, and we're going to be pretty good. Like there was a, a sense of entitlement at a, you know, Division three state school that, you know, um, you know, where there weren't a lot of, there wasn't a lot of glory. I mean, we were playing for pride and, you know, um, and I, so there's entitlement available anywhere if you want it and, uh, fighting that, uh, immediately and, and sort of, um, combating it as a group and as individuals, I think is really important. So, uh, it will become, part of your core, part of your ethos that makes you better. 
uh, and it's um, heck. I mean, with what we're going through right now, you know, like COVID nineteen is is a is a level of adversity that nobody, um, you know, could have foreseen coming. So how do you handle that? You know, what do you do? How do you how do you take it on uh, and turn it into something that's valuable to your organization? So uh, any thoughts or questions about that? I'd like to ask here from one of the athletes, anybody, um, what have been the biggest challenges for you with regards to your team throughout this pandemic? I mean, obviously I know, you know, games have been canceled, practices, seasons, right? I know, I know you're, but, so, but what challenges does that create and how are you dealing with it? I can input something. Yeah, who's this? My name is Isabella Mansour. I'm on the tennis team at Baruch. Isabella, um, I appreciate you speaking up. Yeah, no problem. Um, honestly, like there's obviously a lot of negatives right now, but um, what the tennis team has been doing in particular, um, we've been meeting consistently every Friday just for a follow-up. Even though there's no like big news to talk about, um, the whole team, uh, usually if, you know, everyone's available at the time, nothing interferes, usually that happens. We all just talk. Um, Coach, uh, I don't know if he's in the chat, in the Zoom right now, but he's always, you know, he always has something to tell us, always either inspiring or, you know, important news, um, always following up. And then especially our captains on the team, always, you know, following up on important things for us to do. Um, you know, occasionally the near future, whether it's next semester or next year, um, comes up in terms of if we're gonna play or not, but it's usually always hopeful. So all we can really do right now is just stay consistent, you know, get on and play ourselves on our own time. But um, yeah, I just appreciate us meeting still, even though we can't physically be together. Yeah, that's great. I appreciate it, Isabella, right? So, I mean, we take for granted the ability to interact with our teams every day, don't we? Like, like just that, you know, just the feeling you get, right? You see your teammates after class, you're a little tired, you're hungry, you know, you're grabbing food, whatever it is, you know, getting out on the court, getting out on the field. Um, you know, so how do you stay connected, right? How do you make sure that it, like, you know, the interactions, the sharing of emotions, that to me is, is one of the, the biggest challenges, right? Is, is, you know, we are able to let go of our emotions with our teams every day. Well, now we can't do that. You know, like I can go into the gym and, you know, joke around with a couple of players and, you know, um, you know, we'll be talking about something that happened at practice yesterday, or this was a bad call or something in the game on film. And, and we'll go back and forth and, you know, frustration with the coaches, you know, you're able to get it off your chest. Um, you know, we don't have the same way of sharing that emotion, good and bad with the people that, you know, we compete with. And that is really impactful. So uh, finding ways to stay connected uh, and communicating that is really important. I, I appreciate you sharing that, Isabella. Yeah. Anybody else? What, what about the impact? Somebody from another team? Um, you know, the impact of COVID and, and can, you, can you turn it into a positive? You know, can you still look at this as something where you say, okay, this is going to make us better down the road and, and approach it that way? Yeah, Bob, I, you know, uh, as you're talking here and I'm looking at the slide, um, I think whenever this ends and we, you know, don't know when that's going to be, whenever we do get back to our teams and our seasons, we're going to be expected to win anyway, right? COVID can't be an excuse for us to have any kind of slippage in our standards, our expectations for ourselves, our teammates. Um, you know, I think this is really challenging and I think shows how much leadership is needed to how do we continue to improve individually and as a team, because at some point we are going, hopefully going to get back to normal. And, you know, there's not gonna be any asterisk if we don't 
you know, live up to our expectations because of COVID-19. You know, we still have to continue to find ways to improve, you know, individually and as groups. Yeah, and, and there's, you know, I always say it, there are no accommodations made in the standings for misfortune, right? At the end of the day, you know, it, it no, uh, you know, you lose a couple of people to injury, you know, one team ends up first, one team ends up in the championship, one team ends up in the NCAA tournament. Um, and your point about your standards is a good one. How can you, like, you can't let your standards slip or your adherence to your standards slip. Well, how can you make your adherence to your standards even better, right? Like how much more you know, is this something where you say, you know what, maybe I took that for granted. Like, like I'll guarantee you, and you may not think of it, you know, for the athletes, but like, you're going to miss the day where a coach, you know, blew the whistle and put you on the line and made you run or held you accountable in their way for doing something that, that was below standard, right. For missing class or for being late or whatever it is, right. You are going to miss that right? 10 years from now, you will give anything to get back on the line with your teammates for early morning conditioning or, you know, study hall or whatever it is. So um, can you embrace this to the point where you, you say to your teammates, you know what, we got to do a better job with this, you know, what, what, are, what are two or three things that we could do better? Like, I know coach says he wants us in early to do a little bit of extra work, but you know, we don't really, we don't really get there. Or we don't, you know, we don't go that hard at it, or we always have an excuse, like what are two or three things that you can do better um, because of this, right? Because yeah, like when we do get back, they're going to crown, you know, champions, right? They're going to be, and everybody's going through it. So, um, you know, it's just, it's a mentality that I think, uh you know, sometimes it's come across based on past experience, right? If you've had challenging, difficult situations that you've had to overcome in the past, maybe it's it's ingrained in you a little bit. Um, but it's something that I'm pretty sure you and your team can take on, uh, can take on mentally to create uh, sort of a higher level of, of expectation and a higher level of ownership to, you know, like, you know, does your coach, does your coach always, you know, one, one of the best things that happened to me at Rhode Island College, this was my first year. I had been hired for, I got hired in September. I was coached for two weeks and um, I went recruiting one day. It was like middle of September. The guys were playing pickup on their own. I didn't get to see them. The next day, my, my one senior walked in and I said, hey, KP, how, how were the, you know, how were the games yesterday? And he was like, oh, coach, they were garbage. And I was like, really? And he was like, yeah, guys weren't playing hard. You know, it, it was just, there was a lot of arguing, a lot of BS. It just, it was bad. And I just said, I mean, I, I would just kind of off the cuff said, well, what are we going to do about it? And he said, oh, we got up at 7 a.m. this morning and ran. And I was like, wow. Like, I was just kind of, I mean, I was half joking like okay what are we going to do about it like let me see if he takes on the responsibility you know like and that's when I was like man like I'm that's that's pretty special right like you know do you take care of your standards right for before your coach has to right have you ever said to your coach you know yeah don't worry coach we got this like I I, I took care of it you know um man I bet you can come out of this entire experience with a higher level of ownership, um, for sure. So, yeah, and, and Bob, that speaks to you know the whole accountability piece. It's it's you know I I live my personal life on this, and and character is who you are when nobody's watching. You know, just because coach isn't there doesn't mean I shouldn't do the fifteen you know push-ups that are prescribed for the for the captain's practice that day. You know, that's where we fall short, I think, in teaching the young adults the, the level of accountability that they have to mm. accept and own in terms of ownership. It's like, who are you and who do you want to be when nobody's watching? Do you want to be garbage pickup or do you want to be elite pickup? You know, right. regardless of the level of play, it shouldn't change. It should you, you still show up as the same person, the same individual, to your point about, 
you know, how do we improve, or John's point about how do you improve individually and as a group collectively um, so that you can excel as a team, as a unit um, moving forward. And that's, that's where I think sometimes it falls short. It's like sometimes, you know, not all student athletes, I'm not kind of like blanketing it, but what can I get away with? You know, if I have this elite, uh, uh, you know, elite talent versus, you know, I work really hard every day to be who I am. And yet those two don't kind of meet in the middle sometimes when you're on a team. And I think that creates some of the divide when the coach isn't around, so to speak. Absolutely. And, and, and if, if you want to be an elite achiever, a high performer, if you want to be highly successful, you will learn to crave accountability, right? You will, you will miss it when it's gone. You really will. And, and honestly, the, the best feeling for me as a coach and the reason why I do it is when I get a text message five years later, seven years later, somebody comes back to a game and says, coach, you know, thank you for holding me accountable. Like I'm so far ahead of the game at my job, you know, with my family, with my kids, you know, because I am used to being held accountable to a high standard. And I would suggest that every athlete that's on this call, every team can take on more responsibility with regards to that. And will you will see the benefit long-term. It's, it's not just about, certainly not just about trying to win our next game. So um, just to wrap it up a little bit here, and, and then I'll, I'll certainly take any questions. Uh, you know, this is why it's important to me. I just think the world is attracted to strong leadership. Like I, one of the best things I can hear about somebody I'm recruiting is, yeah, he's a great leader, right? Or he makes his teammates better. Um, whether, you, you know, you're trying to go to graduate school, get a job, playing on teams, you know, uh, whatever it is, high performing teams all benefit from great leadership. And I think there's a void of it. I really do. I, I am amazed at how many people that I come across who are in leadership positions, you know, vice president, president, head coach, you know, in these positions where they're in charge of a group of people who don't really get it or who don't really understand it. So um, it's, it's character development, you know, like Heather said, um, and, and it, it separates you. It will separate you as you try to, you know, move forward, whether it's your freshman year in college as an athlete, um, playing on your team or moving forward, uh, the responsibility of leadership will separate you without question. And that's why I think it's important. You can, you know, one of the best things you can have if you're a college athlete is when it's over, your coach, you know, you're applying for a job and your coach is a reference and they call and your coach says, she was a great leader for us, right? Like she was the one we always counted on. She was really reliable. Um, I'm just a firm believer that that will separate you. And that's why I think it's important beyond the impact that it will have um, on your team. So um, my information is on the screen. Like I said, I will share this, uh, the presentation um, with Heather and, and with Coach Alisi. Um, you know, John was nice enough to mention, I, I did write a book, which is going to come out in December. It's called Entitled to Nothing. Uh, that website will be active shortly, but feel free to send me an email if there's a, a, a question or, or something you didn't want to bring up maybe on the chat, um, you know, stay in touch with me and, and, you know, who's got questions for me now? Anybody, um, anybody with any questions or conversations about some of the stuff that we've talked about? Happy to, to continue to discuss. All right. Well, it sounds like everybody's so captivated by it that they just they want to spend some time thinking about it. But no, in all seriousness, you know, it's been an hour. I, I appreciate the time. Um, I love the discussions because I've got notes from, you know, what many of you have talked about. And, uh, you know, Coach Alisi is a good friend. I understand uh, sometimes the struggle at the Division three level. So I'll certainly be rooting for you. And um, I appreciate you spending some time with me. I, I've, I've really enjoyed it. 
Bob, thanks so much for joining us tonight and uh, to everyone for uh, coming onto the call. This, uh, I thought this was a really uh, useful and helpful uh, talk um, on leadership and, and certainly I think our players, uh, student athletes and coaches uh, got a lot out of it. So thank you uh, so much for being with us tonight. Thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. Good luck. Thanks for visiting the Brew College Athletics Podcast. To listen to this podcast, you can find it on Anchor FM, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, to name the few. And don't forget also to visit our athletic website, brookathletics.com. This has been a presentation of the Brook College Sports Information Department.